And welcome to Detention, where Iowa is the new Florida, just without palm trees. Or Cody tries to eat the mic. Yeah. <laughs> As a previous joke <laughs> that no one would understand <laughs> Except besides that I just us. tried to eat the fucking mic like 10 seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cody. So as you can see in this room, right, I have records, right? Yeah. Kind of a record collection. I actually just got a new record for Valentine's Day. Yeah. It's a Rainbow Kitten Surprise record. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. A what? Rainbow Kitten Surprise. Rainbow Kitten? Mm-hmm. Like the cat. Like the cat. Okay. Mm-hmm. I recommend checking them out. Uh, okay. They're pretty good. But have you ever heard about the chocolate record player? Nope. Oh, it's pretty sweet. <sighs> <laughs> That hurts. That's a good one. It is a good one. Yeah. I I couldn't think of where that was going to go, but <laughs> I like it. As someone who doesn't like chocolate, I guess, you probably wouldn't think of it that way. I don't like chocolate. I just don't prefer it to white chocolate. Which which means you don't like chocolate. That's it's fine. That's not true. I way prefer milk chocolate to dark chocolate. Dark chocolate sucks. No, it's good. It's not. It's good for your heart, too. That's great and all, but it's disgusting. <laughs> Been a couple weeks. Literally. Two. Yeah, two weeks. <laughs> so we'll get into it with our sports talk. Football starting off with a couple of coaching changes, both of them coming from the Eagles, where the Eagles offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen, hired, was hired for the Colts head coaching job. I think that's Steichen. Steichen? I think that's Steichen. Instead of Steichen? Yeah. Oh, cool. Whatever. He's 37 years old. He'll become the co- the Colts' 22nd head coach in its 70-year franchise history. This is his first head coaching position, and he's known for developing quarterbacks. Uh, it seems every place that he has gone to, he has developed a quarterback in the starting role, uh, most recently with Jalen Hurts. Um, and I'm forgetting where he was at prior to the Eagles, but he did something very similar with the quarterback that they had in that team too. So, you know, the Colts looking for a quarterback. He's known again. For, again, he's known for developing quarterbacks. So I would assume he's going to be better than Frank Reich and at least have some type of plan moving into his head coaching job. Who was the backup this year, the guy who used to play at Texas? For the Colts. For the Colts who used to play at Texas? Yeah. I have no idea. Colt McCoy is at the Cardinals. So if that's who you're thinking of. No, it's not Colt McCoy. No. It's, uh, he came in, uh, they benched Matt Ryan. They put him in. I can't remember his name. I'm blanking on it, too. He did a phenomenal job because we clearly remember how well he did. Right. That's going to bug me now. Moving into the other football news, also the Eagles defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, was hired for the Arizona head coaching job. Uh, he signed a five-year deal with the Cardinals. He was with the Eagles defense this last year and led the NFL in sacks with 70 during the entire regular season. Sam Ellington. Sam Ellington. Ellinger. 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 Oh, yes. Yeah, Ellinger. You're right. Uh, Gannon's unit gave up the second fewest yards in the NFL season, ranking seventh in total points allowed. He is 40 years old, and this is also his first head coaching job. So two new head coaches coming into the roles. And I, again, we've talked about this. It's nice that it's not so much a coaching shuffle where you were a head, like, unfortunately, Lovey Smith, who's been in a head coaching position before didn't do well, just moves into the next one. Uh, again, these are two white guys, so it's not a diversity hire, but with their success with the Eagles this past season, I bet you their stock was pretty high to get them before any other team grabbed them in a couple of years. Well, I'm, I'm most interested to see how Arizona deals with this because I think I saw something recently that says that they haven't had a head coach for more than three years in a very long time. Yeah, I, so I think we talked about it a few weeks back. I would like to see how he actually develops and if Arizona is going to take the time to let him develop their players and himself. He's got a five-year contract. so That, that doesn't would, mean shit. It doesn't, you're right. It doesn't mean shit, but at least it would be. They're still be... paying their coach for the next, what, seven years? That Clingsbury? he's now, yeah, who's living in Thailand. I guess. He signed an extension just last year, too, so who knows? Yeah, so, oh, I think he signed a five-year extension, so yeah. they're going to be paying him for the next five years, so I don't think this one really matters in terms of money. I, I I could not find numbers on how much either of these guys are getting paid. So, I mean, it could be a lot. I'm sure it's a lot. I'm sure it's outrageous. Way more than what it would probably normally be. Also, Derek Carr was released from the Raiders 
And this is what I found kind of shitty of the Raiders. Not, I mean, they're a franchise and they're a business, so they do that type of stuff to make as much money and save as much money as possible. But they did it before the franchise deadline where they would have to guarantee and pay Carr $40.4 million. Yeah, it is a smack in the face, especially with what Carr did for the Raiders for his whole career. He's had no defenses and has made the best out of every situation that he could have. So, And I like Derek Carr, so I think it's bullshit. And again, it is a business, so it makes the most sense. I understand where they're coming from and why they would have done it. And especially with the fallout that they've been having over the past few years and things that Derek Carr said. So like, I completely understand it, but it's still shitty. There was something that uh, Colin Cowherd did maybe a month, a month and a half ago, comparing quarterbacks against each other before the offseason started or the postseason. And he had up there Russell Wilson and then a quarterback that was blacked out. And he just had very similar stats uh, for their career over the last like the last five seasons or something like that and Derek Carr was the guy that was compared to Russell Wilson with what you said a lot worse defense and offense that's not going to help him he is going to be leaving Vegas as the leading uh I guess thrower whatever you want to call it passer Passer. he's going to be the leading passer in franchise history and touchdowns he's going to have 35,222 yards with 217 touchdowns he is 63-79 and 79 as a starter, so he's got a losing record, but again, making the best with what he can. And he's made the playoffs last not only two times in his career with the uh, Raiders. 2016, where he was injured yep. and played, and then in 2021, where they left in the wildcard game. He does have interests from being picked up from the Saints, Jets, Panthers, Colts, or Commanders. And the Commanders becomes very interesting. Because they just released Carson Wentz. They just released Carson Wentz today before we could I could add it to the notes or anything. So there's a spot there. And honestly, looking at the Commanders, that'd be a really good fit for him. They, have, they have a lot of A lot potential. of good offensive weapons, and their defense generally is pretty confident. Yeah. So I think that would be a best fit. I mean, the Saints, I think, would also be a pretty decent fit. Mm-hmm. Or the Jets. I I would stand clear of the Panthers and Colts. Yes. Just because I'm sure the Colts are going to, because they have like a top 10 pick or something like that. I'm sure the Colts are going to draft a young QB. So I don't know if Carr really wants to have that. It's not going to be much pressure because I would think he'd be the automatic starter. Yeah, but easily. It would just be a whole nother kind of melodrama shit that you don't want to deal with. You step into the roles of any of these other franchises, you're going to be the starter, no questions asked. The two that would make the most sense to me in terms of where he's at in his career, who needs an immediate plug, would be the Commanders or the Saints because there's not a lot of drama between quarterback issues between any of those two teams. Because if you're looking at the Jets, right, they have – Mike White and Zach Wilson, that they're having that drama. Steer clear of that. He has the potential with the commanders, with the young receivers and the young core. And then the Saints are a tried and true team for the most part. They just have had a couple issues. So any team that he goes to, he's going to make better. But to me, those are the two that he's going to do the most impact right away. Yeah. And then the last little bit of football news. I just added this. Yeah, Jack Kerner playing for the San Antonio... Brahmas, Brahmas, yeah, in the XFL. I saw the game yesterday that he was in, and he got a tackle for a loss. On he the also play had that a, I saw. he almost had a pick. He had a, a deflection that was almost picked off. And I, there's like, oh, Kerner. I was like, whoa, same colors and everything. So that's good. Hopefully he he makes the most of that. But it was cool to see. Yeah, it's always nice to see Iowa players doing something beyond college. I know he was in the NFL last season. Yeah, right on practice squad or something. Just, I guess, didn't get picked up. Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, I think the XFL still pays you at least somewhat decent. It's a much shorter season. Yeah. But, again, they're just testing out different new rules that they're going to transition into the NFL. Honestly, watching some of the games, it was was a little boring. But it was still entertaining enough. And I I like their jerseys. I like their branding. I think that what they're doing is fantastic. And I think if they do implement it like the G League with the NBA to the NFL would be phenomenal um that's why you have practice squads though for the for nfl teams true to an extent you have guys that are at least somewhat fresh that you, you can also elevate have when you need practice it. teams in the nba it's just normally 
the guys between the G League doing the two-way contracts. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you, you have your practice squads for sure. But doing this from the XFL to the NFL, I think, does, if they decide to do it, opens up a lot more opportunity. And it makes the XFL better because then these guys are going to be even hungrier to try to get in there. I mean, yes, they can have potential for people to scout them mm-hmm. there. But at least as of right now, to me, the XFL is more of like a show uh, right now than if you make it like a developmental league. They're going to try even harder and get a lot more uh, a lot more teams added to it. They're going to get a lot more uh, impacts in the game. So I think if they decide to do that, it'll actually be a lot more beneficial. I wonder if they'll implement a thing for like when the NFL draft occurs that they'll have – because I know you can go from the XFL to the NFL, mm-hmm. and I know you can be drafted from college to the XFL or the NFL. Obviously, if you're going to the NFL, it's a bigger payday. <clears throat> I was wondering if on actual draft day, they would incorporate XFL players with college players. That'd be interesting. Oh, like the G League. Yeah. Yeah, like the G League at night, yeah. Because I think that would be an interesting... I mean it's somewhat unfair to the younger guys going from college to the NFL because they could get bumped down a couple of rounds potentially. If you have a guy that's been in the XFL for two or three years, who's gotten that extra practice and has honed in more on their skills to then get drafted above a college kid. But true, but it also makes sense to do it that way because then why waste the time and draft round five to seven when you could pick up guys from the XFL that you really want rather than wasting everyone's time to get drafted and you just know you're going to drop them for this XFL player. Yeah. To me, it makes sense. Yeah. Food for thought for the NFL. Yeah. Basketball. Also look at their branding because it's fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, the rock does pretty good. Yeah. Basketball. Yeah. I didn't have a whole lot for this just because. It was the all-star break. So uh, one of the most important things that I saw, though, was Nate McMillan, the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks, got released. There was some turmoil recently there. There was potential that he was going to leave the team during the middle of the season but postponed that, and then Trey Young didn't get along with him. So that whole issue is over now, and he is now being replaced by Quinn Snyder for a five-year deal. And Quinn Snyder is a very well-known name in the NBA community because he was the head coach of the Utah Jazz for a long time. Um, Quinn Snyder is a fantastic coach, so I think this will work. Um, it'll be interesting to see, though, how he deals with the roster issues that Atlanta's had. And I mean issues not so much in talent, but just – confusion really where Trey Young is noted as a coach killer. Um, John Collins has been on the trade block pretty much ever since he's been in Atlanta. Just finding some fucking cohesion for the Atlanta Hawks. Wasn't this a team that just a couple of years ago made a deep run in the yes. playoffs? Yes. Not deep. Two years ago. Yeah. They were a couple. No, they, they made the Eastern conference finals finals. Yeah, the oh, Eastern Conference they, Finals. I thought they made the semifinals. No, they made the Conference Finals. Oh, okay. And then they lost. And then the next year, they almost didn't make the playoffs. And then this year, they were on track to not make the playoffs. So it's just, Quinn Snyder is a fantastic coach. Uh, Nate McMillan is a good coach. Uh, just It really depends on where he's at. He's getting close to retirement anyway. Quinn Snyder is also getting up there, but I would like to see how he handles this. I think the situation at the Hawks... It doesn't get a lot of attention, but it's going to be hard for any coach. So seeing how this plays out will be interesting. I just think a lot of those guys in that locker room need to fucking grow up, swallow their pride, and just understand the game and how it is. Just move on with whatever fucking issues they have. But I, I do like this hire. Quinn Snyder is a fantastic coach, so it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out and then see what he does in the offseason for the next year. So mm-hmm. good on him. Uh, the other thing. All-Star Weekend, to me, was better recently this year than in the past, uh, except for the All-Star Game. So they had a celebrity game, which I really wanted to watch because I was like, this will be interesting. See the celebrities. They had a whole slew of different types of celebrities. Like they had Guillermo from Jimmy Kimmel, but then they also had DK Metcalf. Right. Yeah. Huge or, range. Or um, Claude Monet. Yeah, 21 Savage. Yeah. Like, it was just, it was a really random group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they did was every quarter, they added a different aspect to the game. So in the second quarter, I believe, it was um, six on six. 
And then because it was six on six, it was like, oh, and it was scripted, obviously. Oh, hey, Richard Jefferson, you, you've done refereeing before. Why don't you ref? He's like, nah, I can't. And then he ripped off his jacket and there's his ref jersey. And then he played, so he ripped off his ref jersey. He's he the guy a, that's got alopecia, right? Yeah. Meaning he can't grow hair. Well, he's bald. I don't think he has alopecia. But oh, I think he has no eyebrows, too. No, that's another player Oh, from the 90s. But Richard Jefferson, yes, he is bald. Yeah. Um, well, he played as long with Carlos Boozer, who was another 90s player. Uh, so... That was a fun aspect to the game that I liked. And then I did watch the Rising Stars game, except in the past it used to be like freshman versus sophomore, so absolute rookies versus second-year players. Well, they changed it this year where it's a tournament. So you have a bunch of these young players, G League or um, just rookie players, young sophomore players. Mm -hmm. They have four teams, and they play a tournament. So two teams play, they play to 45, the next two teams play to 45 or 40, and then the top two teams play until 25 and whoever wins wins. Uh, Keegan Murray was on the team that won, so that was really cool. I thought that tournament style was really fun. I didn't watch the dunk contest, and I did not watch the three-point contest because the three-point contest had a power forward who can't really shoot very well in it, which I thought was a joke. Um, You need to have these all-star caliber shooters being on the three-point contest. To me, that only makes sense. Didn't Luka Garza also win an award? I have no idea. I think Luka Garza won an MVP award. For what? For the all-star. Oh, um, I heard heard something about... I think it was in the G League. The G League all-star, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Um, But the dunk contest, according to Shaq, was saved by their winner, uh, Mac McClung, who yeah, the was a G League, G League player. guy that just got elevated like a couple of days before or yeah, something. Yeah, for the 76ers. I hope he gets some playing time because he is an electric guy. He's fun to watch. I watched him during the summer league, and he was just really fun to watch. So I hope he gets some playing time. But then the All-Star game was absolute trash. You know, it's always trash. It's never defense. No, but it's, it's just... It used to be good. It You go to mid, like, pre-2000, 2005 and earlier, it was always competitive. It was always fun to watch. You got the, the, the best of the best playing against each other and actually trying. Yeah, there, there wasn't like a fantastic defense, but there was still a try-hard defense being played. And then it's just nowadays, I saw a snapshot of Jason Tatum and his the person playing defense against him one-on-one and the other eight players of the floor were on the other side of the floor just standing there watching. <laughs> I'm like... Come on. I mean, and you Steven, don't want to hurt yourself either, I guess. And I, and I can respect that. But Stephen A. Smith brought up a really good point. And he said, you know there's a problem when guys are trying harder in the offseason than they are in the All-Star game. And he made the argument about um, hurting yourself. He's like, for the NFL, I can understand that completely because it's a way more violent game. But in basketball, you're not getting clobbered every fucking play. You should be trying hard in this. And I'm like, you're right. Also Why would you for, pay money to go to the All-Star game to watch these guys stand around scoring 180 points? To be fair, it makes... I don't know how to think about this. Because for at least for the NFL, for their All-Star game, the people playing in that game are not playing anymore for the rest of the year because then it's going to be the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So almost, I mean, yeah, either go hard in the All-Star game for football because, okay, you get injured. Well, you still have a couple months to recover before any type of practice occurs. Yeah. Right. Basketball. I mean, you don't want to go too hard because you have right. to turn right around and go right back into the season. And if you're injured in the all-star game and you're out for three weeks and yep. in a regular season time, that's kind of shitty. No, it's, it's definitely a good argument. I'm not expecting them to go full blown, but Stephen A makes a good point is that these guys aren't trying as like a hundred percent in the off season. Yeah. But they're trying harder in the off season than they are in the all-star game. What the fuck is that? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's it's going to get more gimmicky from here here on out. Yeah. I mean, you you get more sponsor voices trying to put in like like I said the Mountain Dew ball. Yeah. For just as a rant, another extra three point ball that you can get what three points or whatever on it. Four points. Four. Yeah. Whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. More gimmicky shit. Finishing up sports with Iowa sports. Uh, Kate Martin and Gabby Marshall are returning for their sixth season for the Iowa women's basketball team. Those are two really strong role players. I mean, Kate Martin is almost like the Connor McCaffrey for the Iowa women's team where she is like the field general. Um, she's not a, a big scorer, but she can, she knows how to play defense and she is very good at getting the ball where it needs to. 
Same thing with Gabby Marshall. She has a little bit more range, though it's not been shown that much this season of her three-point shooting percentage, but another good solid piece for Coach Bluter going into next season. Spencer Lee finishes up his regular season with a 51-second pin in Carver-Hawkeye, so he is officially done wrestling for the University of Iowa uh, since it was their last home dual meet, but he is going to be going into the NCAA tournament hopefully getting his fourth championship there. Iowa men's basketball, I wrote this a couple weeks ago, lost to Northwestern 80-60 to when they had won the previous nine against the Wildcats. Then they go on a couple more losing streak games. Then this past weekend on Saturday, they played Michigan State at home. They were down by like 10, 10 with like 43 seconds left. They forced an overtime on a almost last second three-point shot from Peyton Stanford. And then they go in and win 112 to 106. So that was a really good game to watch. Then the very next day, yesterday, the Iowa women's basketball team had college game day come to Carver-Hawkeye since it was going to be the number six team, Iowa versus the number two team, Indiana. And they won... Iowa did 86 to 85 on a last second three point shot by Caitlin Clark, which was, if you haven't seen it on, you haven't seen it yet. Nope. Your home. I've heard nothing except good it's things about it. Insane. She gets uh, not no fault to uh, Kate Martin, but it was an inbound pass down by their uh, hoop. And she kind of throws it off to her right side a little far. So the defender can't knock it out of bounds or try to steal it. So Caitlin Clark has to kind of reach out with her arms, grab it, take two steps, and then just turn and chuck it up towards the hoop. And it goes in. And it's pretty amazing to watch. So for going into the Big Ten tournament for women, I was going in with a lot of steam. They're going to be the number three seed, I think. So they get a two-week two buy? They get a double buy, two which, round buy. which will be nice. Two-day buy, I guess. Um, but... They'll be playing against very tough competition going in with Michigan, Maryland, and Indiana. Oh, I thought this was a full court shot. No. All right. Nope. They were on their side. Okay. Yeah. That makes that shot a lot easier, but that, yes, that is a, a challenging easier. shot. Yeah. Give you a hundred shots. I bet you I'm make still saying that none. shot is easier than a full court shot. You're right. That's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. For her? I don't know. I bet you they're both pretty difficult. I'm, for Caitlin Clark, no. She she makes everything look easy. Everything. Yes. Moving into our news and politics. Let's do it. So we have a lot of stories. A lot of these are gross. I mean, yeah. don't don't say gross. They, they're gross. Well, I mean, they're gross in the way that uh, a certain political party is handling them. Yes. They're not gross because of the people that are involved. Right. They're not gross because they're like ucky. They're gross because like if they actually play out, it's bad. Yes. The first one being there is a proposed bill in the federal House of Representatives to terminate the Department of Education. They don't want you to have a job. No, the, just the Department of Ed. I, know, they don't want I would have still job. have a job. No. It would just be through the state. And no, they not, don't want public education. They anyway, don't want schools. Con- Republican <laughs> Kentucky <laughs> Representative Thomas Massey reintroduced H.R. 899 for the 118th Congress, which seeks to eliminate the U.S. Department of Education. He's introduced this bill a few different times. Um, Most recently, the last Congress that they had, and then before that, back in 2017, when Betsy DeVos was the Department of Head, uh, not chair, Secretary. secretary. There we go. Well, barely a secretary. She had the title of secretary. <laughs> I guess, if you want to call it that. The secretary the of secretary education. The secretary of education. <laughs> uh, Massey is saying, I have introduced a bill to terminate the Department of Education. There is no constitutional authority for this federal bureaucracy to exist. States and local committee, communities are best positioned to shape curricula that meet the needs of their students. Schools should be accountable Parents have the right to choose the most appropriate educational opportunity for their children, including homeschool, public school, or private school. He's not wrong that there's no constitutional like backing on it. Do you know how many departments 
in the federal government don't have constitutional backing, but yet we're like, yeah, let's do this. A lot of them. A good chunk of them. Yeah, and most generally how this works, I mean, there wasn't a Department of Ed, I think, until the 1950s or 60s. So in the grand scheme of American political history, it's still relatively new. Uh, but that's just kind of what happens. You kind of set up the initial cabinet members, and then as time goes on, there's more complexity to politics, and you can't just have, oh, well, I guess we're going to dump education on the Secretary of War. Like, no, you're going to have a new position created in order to accommodate for that specific thing. Well, it also was... if. I, I don't know any historical background here, if this is true or not, so I'm just going off the cusp. But if it's my intuition that tells me it was probably created because they were looking at different states and saying, why is this state doing better than this state in education? Maybe we just need to create something that's universal, that everyone has a standard to live up to so we can try to make everyone as equal as possible across the nation. That, 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 to me, is probably why it was created. Oh, I think it was birthed mainly out of the fact of desegregation and schools now incorporating African-American and minority students. And because of that, there need to be some type of control system over that process, as well as implementing different educational requirements on schools. Check marks and stuff. So I think it was because of that is why they created the actual department. Yeah. So now if we're going to get rid of the department of education, the only thing, not even the only thing there's, there's nothing that's going to stop local school districts from implementing whatever the fuck they want. Mm -hmm. Now you can't say we we're not going to take like any black students because that goes against the constitutional right of, um, oh shit, what is it called? Uh, Brownie no, of no. education. Cause that would be uh, the protected classes. You, you can't discriminate against protected class just naturally for anything. So that's not going to happen or hopefully, but now it's just going to be like, Oh, we're going to teach you whatever the fuck we want. And then next thing you know, Iowa County 44 is going to look like absolute dog shit compared to New York County 33. Like, because they're going to teach completely different things, and it's just going to be completely different. Well, that... Well, I don't know if those are actually, like, comparable counties. I'm just using numbers I would imagine here. they'd probably be very similar in ideology. 33, New York, 40-whatever, Iowa. I would I, think they'd be very similar. I don't know. Who knows? I also don't know how many fucking school districts they are in just New York City alone. Right. So, who knows? There could be fucking close to that number. Uh, my big thing is, like, you know, rural counties in different bumfuck states like Iowa... You have a, a specific school district that's like, well, we're not going to teach evolution, and in fact, we're going to have our science teacher be the local pastor. Right. That's a big problem. It is a big problem. Because you're no longer teaching what actual potential science is, and you're just going off of what what pre-secular uh, biology was, which was just, we think this is what it is because God thinks that's what it is. You're also not a attributing to freedom of religion as much as that you want to try to make that argument that like, Oh, well you, you can teach your kid whatever you want. Yes. But you shouldn't also be shoving Christianity down my kid's throat because I am an atheist. My kid I am raising to be atheist does not, I don't want them to learn that, Yeah, but they, I can tell you because it's Christianity, they'll fight me for that compared to the other way around. True. It's always the Christians dying on the Hill. Yeah. It's always, it is. <clears throat> Uh, representatives Andy Briggs, Lauren Brobert, no surprise, Dan Bishop, and Chip Roy are among the eight Republican co-sponsors for this. I'm surprised Marjorie Taylor Greene's not on this, because I would think she would also be for that. Yeah. But next new story, titled Firing Squads. I think you read this one, right? I, I read it. <clears throat> I didn't take any notes on it. Um, so do you have notes on it? I do. All right, I'll let you take this one, and I'll just pipe in. So apparently, sorry, I have <clears throat> notes. Former aides and people who are close to former President Trump have stated that he has been toying with the idea of bringing back firing squads, <clears throat> which, by the way, is banned. <laughs> it is a banned form of federal execution, and you cannot use it as a death penalty. So he wants to bring it back, though. He's been saying that he wants to bring it back, along with hanging. And according to two other sources of former aides, possibly even the guillotine. Lovely. I wonder where he got that idea, though. 
from, you know, January 6th where they had a makeshift guillotine out front with a thing of Mike Pence. Yeah. I'm sure he got the idea from, oh, yeah, that'd be a good idea. Um, he also has, sources say, discussed group executions. So mass executions now is what he's also thinking. Uh, Trump has floated these ideas while discussing planned campaign rhetoric and policy desires, as well as his disdain for President Biden's approach to crime. Quote, uh, the former president believes this would help put the fear of God into violent criminals. His, the source says he wants to do some of these things when he was in office, but for whatever reasons, didn't have the chance. Trump oversaw the executions of 13 federal prisoners uh, there are only three executed in the previous 57 years before his administration. So he's kind of on the killing federal prisoners kick. Uh, the reasoning behind Trump's belief of this is that him and his close aides have done some freaky math and have estimated that drug dealers and other violent federal criminals will inadvertently or directly kill 500 plus people during the their lifetimes as criminals. So we're saving American lives by executing all these federal prisoners, is what he's saying. And he wants to obviously increase those numbers by doing public displays of executions. He also wants these things to be publicly viewed for people to put the fear of God into them, is what they said. Yeah, I'm seeing a couple quotes from this article that I think are also interesting. Um, so I'll just read these to you. When asked about firing squads and other execution methods, the spokesperson refers Rolling Stone to lines from Trump's 2024 campaign announcement. Quote, every drug dealer during his or her life on average will kill 500 people with the drugs they sell, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to mention the destru- destruction of the families. We're going to ask everyone who sells drugs get caught selling drugs to receive the death penalty for their pain. That, to me, seems like a very large overstep. Um, well, any drug dealer and you know, marijuana is a federal exactly. crime, even though I don't know how many of you've heard of people overdosing on marijuana. It doesn't happen. Does not happen. So you're executing literal, I would, I wouldn't say necessarily innocent cause they are doing a crime, but theory, that crime yes. is not. D- does nec- the punishment fit the crime? Yeah, exactly. No, no. it's an overstep. You're right. Uh, then in an October rally, uh, he was also quoted saying, and if drug dealer is guilty, they get executed and they send the bullet to the family and they want the family to pay for the cost of the bullet. If you want to stop the drug epidemic in this country, you better do that, even if it doesn't sound nice. See, again, I don't understand. This goes back to that 1984 bullshit you were talking about. Well, yeah, I don't understand how your solution to drug crime is to execute the people who are guilty of doing it and then giving the bullet back to the family. Most generally, when people are desperate enough to sell drugs like that, the community that they were raised in is one of the worst areas, and it allowed them to get into that line of business. Not only that, but what are you going to do for all the richy rich people who do drugs because for the fuck of it, and I have the money, that are some senator's kid. Are you going to kill them too? Because the chances are probably fucking not. Or the Purdue family. I mean, they sell really hardcore drugs, but legally, and people are addicted to opiates all across the country because of this family. And people OD and die on those opiates every day, more so than I would say some of these, you know, lower drug dealers who don't have the reach to sell to sell opiates in California if they're from West Virginia, like the Purdue family can. So what are you going to do with them? Oh, no, they're billionaires. They're fine. Exactly. That's how it always plays out. Yeah. I found that very interesting that he is going even more totalitarian with these ideas of like, well, we should bring back executions in the most barbaric ways and then publicize it and make it viewable to everyone. And again, me being me, I understand the logic. I don't even understand the logic. No, I, I get it. I, I, I do understand his thought process behind it, but it's just flawed. Like, I understand how he gets there and why he thinks the way he thinks, but it is absolutely 100% flawed because that's not going to stop people from doing it. It's going to make them better at doing it without getting caught. That is the biggest difference. And as much as I am a bleeding heart liberal to anyone who doesn't like what I'm about to say, I think what I'm about to say will actually help. I'm not saying legalize these drugs. 
But if you, even if you don't legalize these drugs, if you set up institutions to people to go that they could do this and then in a safe situation, helping people in these situations go to uh, rehab centers and go to areas like uh, dispensaries where they can do these things and then work through it. Part of the thrill of doing drugs is the fact that it's illegal, right? Think about when you're drinking under 21 and then you turn 21 and you're like, okay, cool. You don't drink as much. Same thing with drugs. Like if drugs, like if I would decided to legalize marijuana and then a year later, weed sales will still be up, but it's probably not going to be as fantastic to do because there's no thrill in getting caught anymore. There's a lot of reasons why people do things that are illegal is because the thrill of getting caught is so much fun. You want to keep doing it because it's another high that you're chasing at the time. And Portugal has something like that where they ended their war on drugs and they made institutions where if you do have a heroin addiction, you will, I shouldn't say you will, but people will go into those facilities to get their fix or whatever, but they're doing it in a safe environment. They're not doing it on the streets and they're not peddling it to other people. Right. And am I saying that's the correct way to do it? No, I, I don't know if that is a solid solution or not. Seems but, to be working for them. But I, is I'm it not, better than shooting people? Yeah. 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 So again, I, I do see the logic behind it, but it is completely flawed and wrong logic. Yeah. Going into more local news. Um, I forgot to put this one actually goes into the other category of state news. So we'll talk about that with the state news. Two different state news. One is the drag ban, where a new bill in the Iowa legislature will make it illegal for minors to be present at a drag performance. So state file 348 creates penalties for adults bringing a minor to a drag show as well as the businesses hosting them. An adult who brings a minor to a drag show would be guilty of a simple misdemeanor and face a fine of up to $855 or 30 days imprisonment. And the owner of the business hosting a drag show would be guilty of a serious misdemeanor and be fined up to $10,000 or up to one year in prison. Yes, this is what we should be focusing on. Exactly. More just uh, homophobia. For that puts no... so much pressure on Pride Fests all over the country. Exactly. I mean, I don't know if you've been to the one here in the Cedar Valley for in, in Waterloo. They have an open drag show where it's a, it's a stage open on a street. Yep. And, I mean, I have seen kids there. But, again, it's not to bring them to see a drag show. It's just to be a part of the community. Well, and they also have like kids areas that are like coloring. Most of the kids, honestly, there are not going to pay attention. Kids do not understand the concept of these things until somebody teaches it to them. That's the only reason that kids grow up to really hate gay people or hate people who are doing drag because they are taught to do it because it's immoral or it's not right or whatever the fuck they're, they're getting told. Most kids on like, if you, if you talk to a kid and they're like, why is that man dressed like a woman? And you explain to them that that's just how they view themselves. They will just most likely say, okay. And go on with their life. Mm -hmm. They don't give a shit. The only people who give a shit are adults. And whether or not you think that is right or not is completely up to you, but you should not force that down your kid's throat. You should let them make that own decision for themselves. You just give them the matter of the facts and let them figure it out on their own. And it's such a shitty, again, it's going back to religious fundamentalism of like, I do not want my kids to be exposed to this because I think it's going to hurt them. Right. Okay. And then not paying attention to the other side of that fucking coin of, what about all the kids who are a part of that community who do need that type of self-expression? You're just going to dump all of them out because you think yours is better than theirs. And what happens to the people who are 16, 17? I mean, shit, we all know what it's like going through puberty. You don't know really what's going on, right? Yeah. And by the time you hit 14, 15, 16, you're starting to figure out more of like, I have questions about this. That, that is a, a safe space for them to go to be like, is this something for me? It easily could be no. It easily could be yes. It easily could be I don't I'm not like this, but I support this. 
that is a place for you to figure out who you are without being forced to believe who you are. If you've ever been around the community, the majority of those time, the people in the LGBTQIA community aren't shoving anything down their throat. They're just saying, this is what I do. And that's it. That's it. That's mm-hmm. all they do. This is me. Right. And that's nothing bad about that because we walk around in our daily lives doing things we want and that's just how we are. Right. Um, the bill does define a drag show as one where a performer who exhibits a gender identity different than what they are assigned at birth, who is singing, lip syncing, dancing, or reads or otherwise performs before an audience of entertain- for entertainment. Critics of the legislation say that the definition of drag is used in the bill too broadly and would punish things like cross-dressing in a play. Or movies. Or in movies. Um, critics also feel that such a bill as this, uh, is just a way of policing gender expression. Exactly. And I don't know, I, I shouldn't say I don't know. Every show that I have seen where there has been drag besides in a festival where anyone can come from the public to see it has been in a bar and you need an ID of 21 and over to get into a bar. So what is such the hard on? for the Republicans to be like, we cannot let minors see drag shows when most drag shows are taking place in an area where minors can't get into, but we'll take them to Hooters. Exactly. Right. You'll take, that's a fucking great thing, right? Great point. I don't want my five-year-old to go to a drag show, but I'll take my five-year-old to a Hooters. Yeah. What's the difference besides the fact of one is a biological quote woman and just wearing scantily clothes at work. Yeah. Honestly, most drag shows, they're dressed more than Hooters girls. And with more clothing, yes. It's more eccentric, but yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah. State news, that's bad. I'm really starting to hate Iowa. Well, my comparison to this is like smoking, right? They're saying that drag is harming our kids, but then you'll smoke in a car with an infant. Right. No. <laughs> no, you cannot make the comparison. Right. If we're outlawing drag shows, which I'm not saying we should do. Right. If we're doing that, we have to outlaw smoking of any kind anywhere. Because that's just as harmful to kids. Actually, not just as harmful, severely more harmful. It can yeah. cause severe health effects if the young infant getting around secondhand smoke. Or thirdhand smoke. Or thirdhand smoke. In any way. It's way more worse for your health to be around cigarette smoke than a fucking drag show. Oh, no. Your kid saw a guy who's six foot three in heels and fake tits. Wow. He's saying ABBA. I loved it. Who cares? <laughs> like, why does it, why does it matter? Seriously. Right? That's what the shows are. No, I, I know. They I know. are fun to be around I, I, because I, they're just having the ball of their fucking life. The funny thing is, is like, I think I've been to a drag show. And it's not my scene. You know that. You've been with me there. It's not my scene. Well, you, the thing, but, if, you, if you're talking about the thing that we went to. No, the different. ones at Kings and Queens. We went there. Did we go? Oh. Yeah, yeah we okay. went there. Yeah. And it's just, it's not my scene. I will happily go and I will sit there. Am I enjoying myself? Not really. But like, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't. It's just not my scene. But I am not knocking on anyone who does it. I know one of the most popular drag uh, drag queens in the state. I went to high school with them. I, I know them. Like, and I, I applaud them for how much they have affected everyone else. Doesn't fucking bother me. They did that in high school. There was a huge uproar about it, but they did it in high school. It didn't fucking bother me. Almost nobody cared. Mind-blowing. We'll have to move on. Next uh, state of Iowa topic is that, for the good news at least, that the new bill has been put in where we could be legalizing marijuana in the state. Not just, yeah. not just medically, but just full-on legal. Fuck yeah. So the plan allows for Iowans who are 21 and older to purchase weed for recreational use uh, from a licensed store. That includes a 10% excise tax and a 1% surcharge. This would funnel money towards schools, mental health, and public safety departments. The proposal decreases penalties for nonviolent weed crimes. It also proposes expansions on Iowa's current medical marijuana program to spread relief to more Iowans. 
This bill was read in the Iowa House this last Wednesday. I have not heard of anything since then. Of I'm sure it's just going into committee, wherever it was. But it was introduced. I wonder how much of that money would go to public safety, because we all know that means police. Yeah, it would be police. But, I mean, honestly, if you decriminalize marijuana, I mean, that's one less thing that police have to, you know, actually police and worry about. Um, I would argue that most of that should probably go into more mental health things. You know, just because Iowa is like one of the worst states for mental health in the United States. Why does that not surprise me? So um, I would say use it for that. And then two little stories here for local news. Uh, The city of Waterloo, the Waterloo City Council, passed a bill through its first round of hearings. So it still has to go through two more that would ban conversion therapy this past Monday night. Good. So the ordinance spearheaded by Ward 2 council member Jonathan Greider aims to outlaw the practice of attempting to change someone's sexual or gender identity in Waterloo. Many of the residents in attendance at the meeting expressed that the ban is not in the council's purview, though, and that it is a state issue, not a local issue. Of course, it's never where you live. It's always either the bigger or smaller of where you are at. Not only just that, but it only seems that the people who go to those meetings are the people who have a problem with it. Oh, yeah. I mean, this article that I posted there, if you want to read it, there are some people who, like, one of the ladies, um, because Jonathan Greider is a school teacher, but it serves on the Waterloo school, uh, City Council, and she knows that. So she co-opted a line from Pink Floyd's um, Another Brick in the Wall. Oh, Jesus and, and, Christ. And yelled, teacher, leave them kids alone at him but it's like i'm i'm doing this for children (laughs) like i don't know what you're saying i'm not forcing your kid to be gay i'm just saying you can't force them not to be oh my god um though lynn county and the city of davenport have passed similar legislation so this isn't even the first place in iowa that is banning conversion therapy an entire county lynn county your county and then the city of davenport uh, the pr- proposed ordinance states the city would not enforce a ban on conversion therapy th- uh, through the city's attorney attorney's office, and there are repercussions if it does finally get approved approved after a couple more hearings, where if uh, a office or a health professional is in violation of that ordinance, a written res- notice will be sent immediately for a cease and desist, and if the health professional doesn't immediately comply uh, the violation would become a municipal infraction pursuant of city code so there is some enforcement there residents of in support of the ban state that the kids want to be protected because quote not all the time do adults know what they what kids want and the idea that adults think that kids don't know what's best for them or that adults know what's best for their kids it's like that is not true the only person who knows what's best for That person is that person. Exactly. As well as um, conversion therapy is not, they don't believe it's happening in the Waterloo area, but just because it's not happening doesn't mean that it won't. Exactly. So this is just a way of preemptively just being like, no, we're not allowing this to ever happen. Why don't we just stop it now before we have to deal with it at the time? Exactly. Right. Before anyone gets affected. Potentially saving lives in that case. Right. You know, you have kids that are a part of that LGBTQIA community who want to transition or either uh, be expressly gay in whatever way, but their parents want to enroll them because they're a minor in some conversion therapy bullshit, and then that makes them even more severely depressed, and they take their own life. Or they just die from it. Or, I mean, so that's another thing, is that Grider made a statement in the hearing saying that conversion therapy consists of electroshock therapy, nausea-inducing medication, while the child is being shown homoerotic media and putting children in vats of water. This is known as aversion therapy. And aversion therapy is a practice meant to form a negative association with something to correct it. It's literally like a real-life version of a clockwork orange. Yes. Honestly. Yep. Or if you've never seen the imitation game, it's exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. 
Greider finished up saying, it's a practice done that is abusive. And if we can't see that eye to eye that we shouldn't be electrocuting children, then we have to a fundamental disagreement about what makes basic human rights. It's also, if you really think about it, against the fucking Eighth Amendment. Yeah. Cruel and unusual punishment. Does the action fit the crime? No, and it does not. And it's not even a crime. Yes, I know. It's so, oh, it's so frustrating. And the last little bit of news here, because we are running long, this also continues with the L or LGBTQIA community. We had a lot of stories this week of it. Gender-affirming care at risk. So the Iowa House Speaker Pat Grassley, Chuck Grassley's grandson, said Republican lawmakers are exploring introducing legislation this year to ban gender-affirming care for transgender youth. He says, I think it is a possibility... Um, but has not necessarily put in steps to begin the process of it. I don't know why they think that's a win. I really don't. I, I just, I don't understand the logic of why that is successful to you. What's even more fucked up is that they are having, or they had two specific doctors come and speak to the committee that was going to be in charge of potentially writing and drafting the bill of this. Dr. Katie Mborek, co-director of the University of Iowa LGBTQ plus clinic, and Dr. Dave Williams, Chief Medical Officer for UniPoint Health, um, provided detailed explanation to the Iowa committee and the steps that transgender youth and their parents go through before a child may receive gender-affirming care. Both told lawmakers that current medical guidelines require parental consent and months of comprehensive treatment before teens are offered any kind of gender-affirming medical care. So you have two experts telling the committee, hey, this is how it works. It's not a simple thing, and it takes a really long time. The parents have to sign off on it, and they have to go through a certain process. So it's not all willy-nilly. A kid one day decides, you know what, I want to be of the opposite gender. It doesn't work like that, because that's what a lot of Republicans think, is that they're going to go into this making a life-changing decision. Break it, break it down for you. I'm a guy. I go in. I want my dick cut off. Boom. Done. Day of. That's not how that works. Yes. So you have these two doctors telling the committee this, and then you have the House chair, fucking Pat Grassley, saying, eh, we might do it. Again, you're having experts. The whole point is to have actual conversation and debate to find out and flesh out the best legislation for these bills. You're having experts tell you verbatim how it works, and you're just like, nah. The state of Iowa, and that's where we're getting into, of like, it is really becoming the new Florida, where Florida is having a lot of fucked up shit happen in their state, and it seems to just really be going ping-ponging around the entire country. Unfortunately, we live in one of the ping-pongs, so it's getting worse. You want to do surprise topics or skip them? Um, you know what? We'll skip them. Okay. I'll save, my, I'll save it for next week. All right, yeah. Mine's not very long, but it's fine. Entertainment. Bruce Willis. Yes. We mentioned this last year, I think roughly around this time. Well, not quite this time because we haven't gone on for quite a year yet. But it was one of the first things that we did for entertainment where Bruce Willis was diagnosed with aphasia, which is a condition that basically uh, limits your speech and recognition of people and behavior and stuff like that. So nearly after a year of that announcement, his family has now announced that he's been um, diagnosed with frontotemporal dementia, which aphasia is generally a symptom leading into that form of dementia. So a statement posted Thursday that the 67-year-old actor's family um, gave that diagnosis to the public. The Association for Frontotemporal Degeneration describes uh, brain disorders caused by degeneration of the frontal cortex and temporal lobes of the brain and affects behavior, language, and movement. Aphasia, like I said, is a symptom the association describes the frontotemporal de- degeneration as an inevitable decline in functioning with an average life expectancy of 7 to 13 years after the onset of the symptoms. Oh, no. So he's already a year in. And they're saying that he's got 6 to 12 more after this, generally for people who have similar... So he's be- he'll be lucky if he reaches 80. He'll be lucky with that. Um 
The family did say that there is no treatments for this disease currently. Just like any type of dementia, there's really no treatment at this time. Uh, a reality that we hope can change in the years ahead. Um, as Bruce's condition advances, we hope that any media attention can be focused on shining a light on his dis- not on his this disease that needs far more awareness and research. So not so much on him, but more on the actual disease itself, so more people can get research into it. Right. Let's let's not make it about look how good he used to look and look how how hard it's hit him. Let's focus on the importance of this and the research we need to do about it. Yeah. That's unfortunate. So some sad news there. Bad movie plot glasses. Yes. I do not have a theme. That's okay. But first one here with you. Young anthropologist prodigy finds lost Spanish gold. Ooh. Young. Mm-hmm. Anthropologist. Anthropologist. Yeah. Anthropologist. Prodigy. Finds lost oh. Spanish gold. The lost city of Atlantis. Atlantis lost empire. Whatever. Nope. What? Mm-mm. Oh. Uncharted. That's gross. What do you mean? That's disgusting. <laughs> what do you mean? Because uh, in the video games, he's not young. I know. But in the movie... That's gross. He is young. That's disgusting. So that's cheap. I figured that would be a good one for you. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad movie podcast. That's true. All right. Next one. NASCAR spoof where a Frenchman challenges an American. Is that Talladega Nights? Yeah. Talladega okay. Nights, the ballad of Ricky Bobby. Yep. Maybe an easy one. I hate Will Ferrell. <laughs> yeah. But you knew it. Yeah, I did. Last one. If you don't chew big red, fuck you. If you don't chew big red, then fuck you. <laughs> That's probably the best line of that whole movie. Uh, U.S. Navy SEALs threaten to use chemical weapons on San Francisco, but James Bond and Benjamin Gates team up to stop them. The Rock. The Rock. I love that movie. It's a good movie. It's so good. How'd you Ed like? Harris. That's a good one. How'd you like the James Bond and Benjamin Gates? I liked it. Uh, why am I blanking on... Nicholas Cage is Benjamin Gates from the National Treasure movies. Yeah. And then Sean, Sean Connery. Connery. Yeah. I was blanking on his name for, for a split second. Split second? For a split. That seemed ten- like a split minute. <laughs> it, was, it was shorter than that. <laughs> All right. So we actually had a lot of social events that sounded interesting, but here's the three that I chose. So we have Bach Fest in New Ulm, Minnesota on March 4th. There's a parade of mythical Germanic characters, a hunt for billy goat heads on the Shell Brewery grounds and beyond, and a big party afterwards with beer, live music, and a bonfire. I don't think the billy goat heads are real. I think they're probably fake, but... I would assume that they're fake, because if they were, we'd hear more from PETA. <laughs> Uh, then we also have Wanoda Film Festival in Decorah, Iowa from March 2nd through the 5th. This free festival showcases documentary films and includes dance performances on the campus of Luther College. And then we also have Cooper Dog 150 Sled Dog Races in Calumet, Michigan from March 3rd to the 5th. There's a party atmosphere as the mushers start Friday night along 5th Street with music, food trucks, and bonfires. Follow the mushers to the finish line in Eagle Harbor or stay in Calamont for the doghouse races with teams of seven people. I think Bach Fest sounds the most interesting. Yeah. It's got a lot of beer, it sounds like. There was one that I thought about putting on here that was about a weenie contest, <laughs> but I decided to do the dog sleds instead. All right, unpopular opinions. Mine is going to be pretty simple. I think there's only one correct way to eat corn on the cob. And how is that? Eating it as if it's a typewriter. Oh, yeah, 100%. Where you, where you go all the way across. And you rotate, rotate it. Rotate it and go all the way across again. Not just taking large bites and just rotating it willy-nilly and just getting... Who does that? Who does that anarchy? Psychopaths. Who does that? Fucking malicious psychopaths. Have you seen somebody do that? People in my family eat corn like that, and it drives me nuts. (laughs) I don't know if it's just because I have some type of low... Scaled autism, but it, <laughs> but it has to be, it has to be eating across. Oh no, you're absolutely way, right, and it cannot be just going around and just fucking eating it. However, I could not agree with you more on this on this topic. I got this idea because I watched a YouTube video this past week, and there's a guy who does a bunch of food reviews for different places for where he lives, and he had. We went to a Mexican place and they had the Olite horn that had yeah. like the different shit on it that's really good. But the way he ate it, I'm just like, fuck him. 
I was, I was, I was on board until you started eating the corn that way. And I'm like, this guy's got no credentials. This guy's a fucking clown. No, <laughs> no. I mean, the way that I do it is the same way you do all the way across. You rotate all the way across, but there's times where it's like, I forget how good corn on the cob is. And so I take a bite and it's like, Oh fuck. Yeah. So then I just chomp the whole row in one and I can't stop until the whole rows in my mouth. Yeah. And then I chew it up and then I do it again. Yeah. I, however you like, I don't eat it like all the way across in one bite. I did as a kid, but now I kind of eat a couple bites in one row, chew it, swallow it, and then continue in that right. same row. But it has to be that but row. it has yeah. to be in that row. It can't just be like, oh, let me start a new row. No, I, I could not agree more on this topic. And fuck anybody. I think it's an Iowan thing with us that it's like we, we are very particular about our corn and how we do things with our corn. Um, it could be, but I do not approve of anybody. If I ever see someone in your family do that, I might smack them. Well, don't, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've seen people in my family do it that way and I'm just like, mm. yeah, autism moment. All right. So mine, I had something written down and Eric thought I had done this before and I was writing the one that I have right after it. So I'll just say both of them. Pepsi is better than Coke. I'm pretty sure I have said that. Now I think that I say you have, loud. and I think Coke is better. Yeah. Cause I remember having that yes, argument. Okay. We did have that debate. Yep. Um, but Mountain Dew is by far the best pop ever in the world. I would also disagree with that one. And you would say? Dr. Pepper. Okay. My girlfriend would agree with you, but no. Um, But I have to put this out there because I got told this and I cannot think of anything else because it is so funny. Yeah. Uh, I talk to a sheriff quite regularly and I had a Mountain Dew and he also drinks Mountain Dew and he had said, he had called Mountain Dew this and it threw me off for a second, but then he told a story about it and it makes so much sense. He has to bust a lot of people who live in trailer parks and white trash neighborhoods, and they always have Mountain Dew. So he calls them trailer parkachinos. Okay. <laughs> and I can't think of anything else, and it makes me so happy. Trailer parkachinos. So I drink a lot of trailer parkachinos because they're delicious. It's your inner white trash. It is. <laughs> I cannot think of it as anything else now besides Trailer Parkachinos, but I love it. There was a time that I would probably agree that uh, Mountain Dew is the best because I would drink it more. Uh, that's the pop that I would drink more often in like middle school or high school than anything. I still drink it, but you know, all the time. As I've gotten older, not as old as you, but as I've gotten older, oh my and, god, <laughs> and you know, and my tastes have you know gotten better. Um, Dr. Pepper is. Let's I be think, real, best. Eric. Going back to this old comment because that was a low blow. Out of <laughs> out of the two of us, yes. who has always been the older soul? Older soul, yes, but not an older in like actual math, dude. I out age you by a month in three days. And that's a month in three days that you are older than me. Okay, well, respect your elders. Okay. Um, respect not given. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> at least for Mountain Dew. <laughs> Finishing up this week's episode with this day in history for February 27th uh, with the most recent going back the furthest in time. We're starting with 1945 where the Soviet troops liberate Auschwitz and Birkenau concentration camps in Poland. That's what the Republicans tried to do on January 6th. They tried to liberate this country from the liberals. Oh, yeah. That's that's probably how they thought about that. Oh, yeah. We're doing what the Soviets did. Right. But we can't say that because we hate communism. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> 1944, the siege of Leningrad lifted by the Soviets after 880 days and more than 2 million Russians died, which is, that's one of those staggering things that if you research into it, not only did it last a really long time, but it was just keep throwing soldiers in them and then eventually we'll win it's crazy yeah 1926 uh physicist erwin schrodinger publishes his theory of wave mechanics and presents what becomes known as the schrodinger equation for quantum mechanics is that the guy with the cat that would be schrodinger's cats i mean not this specific quantum well maybe this specific specific quantum mechanics theory but the idea being that if you have a vial of poison and a live cat in a closed box. That cat is both simultaneously dead and alive. Right. Acquiring both matters of whatever. Yep. I'm not smart enough. Yep. Uh, 1880 Thomas Edison patents his, his electric incandescent lamp. So, you know, all those moths love lamps. Have you heard like the different like moth community shit? No. 
There's a meme group out there that are like moth people. How do you find this shit? I just, just tell, I'm just telling you, there's a, <laughs> there's a group of moth people out there and their whole thing is making jokes about how they're moths and that they love light bulbs and Thomas Edison's their God because he created light bulbs. What do you do in your free time when the, we are not together? I interview religious fundamentalists <laughs> who make sh- shitty movies <laughs> and I look up Meme subcategories. <laughs> what do you not get? That's my summer. <laughs> you need a hobby. That, that is, is my that. hobby. You need better. I more, get. You need I more get productive records. hobbies. I get records. Listen to them. I do sometimes. Do it all the time. <laughs> and then I also Google what's the moth group up to. <laughs> oh, you keep me entertained. <laughs> uh, Eighteen twenty-five. U.S. Congress approves the Indian Territory, present-day Oklahoma. Uh, clearing the way for the forced relocation of the Eastern Indian tribes via the Trail of Tears. Ah, yes. The good times. The good times. Forceful relocation and ethnic cleansing. Ah, because we didn't do that again in the 1940s. (laughs) Uh, Famous birthdays for today. We have Josh Groban, the singer. (coughs) Kate Mara, the actress. She's cute. (laughs) You know who she is? I know who Kate Mara is. I just want to make sure. Tony Gonzalez, the former NFL tight end. Most would say the goat for tight ends. Currently, I should say. Gronkowski. You think Gronk? Yeah. Uh, Kelsey would probably have an argument with that at the point. Kelsey's a bitch. Nah. <laughs> uh, and then Kel- Chelsea Clinton, who's a writer technically, but she's also the daughter of Hillary and Bill. Yes. So... Thank you. That wraps up this week's episode of the Detention Podcast. Please spread the word and encourage others to listen. You can follow us on Twitter at DetentionPod1, or you can send us an email at DetentionPodcast1 at gmail.com. You can listen to the Detention Podcast on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And with that, your detention has been served. We will see you again next week.